You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. tried to seek something and look for it and don't know what it is that you're looking for but you know every time you try something that's not what you want and you constantly fill your life with all kinds of crazy things activities addictions all kinds of relationships that don't go anywhere and you're filling them and filling them and filling them because you're kind of you're trying to reach that which God has called you to what has God called you to he's called you to a relationship with him through Jesus Christ And there was nothing that will satisfy your life like a relationship through Jesus Christ. Do you ever feel like there's a void in your life? You may feel compelled to discover the meaning of your life. And as a result, you fill it with undesirable things. Pastor Dave explains today how God has a plan for your life. God wants you to develop a relationship with Him. And as a means, will reveal His desires for your life. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 10 as he begins his message. A Tale of Two Visions. The following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God taking me back a while when I was in school. Yeah, it was a pretty long time ago, it seems. But when I was in school, one of the things they had were required reading lists. They had required reading lists, and I think they still have them today. And one of the things that we had to read was Charles Dickens's A Tale of Two Cities. It was one of the few novels that I actually liked. I actually read it with great gusto because I loved the whole thing about Charles Dickens's book, A Tale of Two Cities. Come to find out later that the Tale of Two Cities actually has a Christian theme. The theme of a Tale of Two Cities is actually resurrection. And Charles Dickens goes so far as to quote John 11, 25 in the original King James. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. He quotes this in chapter 9 of book 3 of the Tale of Two Cities. 
pretty interesting. In fact, Dickens wanted to entitle the book, novel Recalled to Life. Recalled to Life. I remember being asked to memorize various parts of this. I remember that we had to memorize various lines, and some of the lines that stuck out to me still stayed with me today. And when I was typing up my notes, they just came without me having to look them up. I was quite fascinated. Probably the most famous line from the novel is the very, very first line. You might be able to quote it yourself. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. How about the last line of the novel? You probably can quote that too. The last line of the novel, you probably know it somehow. It's when one of the main characters gives up his life for the other main character, and hence the Christian theme of one laying down their life for someone else, the Christian theme. That line is, it is a far, far better thing that I do than I have ever done. It is a far, far better rest that I go to than I have ever known. Now, as a Christian, when I look back on that, Christian overtones are coming and pouring into my thought, my head, and I'm really excited. But we're not here to talk about the tale of two cities today. We're here to talk about a tale of two visions, a tale of two visions, because that's what Acts chapter 10 is all about. We've been studying it now for a while. We've studying it now for a while, the tale of two visions, because chapter 10 of the book of Acts could have easily opened up, it is the best of times, it is the worst of times. Chapter 10 begins by introducing us to two very different men from very different cultures, from very, very different societies, and from very, very different ways of life. Very, very similar to the main characters in Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. Well, that would be the Apostle Peter. It was the best of times. That describes the Apostle Peter. Because remember, let's look at Peter. He had been there from the beginning with Jesus. He had walked with Jesus. He had talked with Jesus. He had listened to his words. He saw his miracles. Peter saw things that nobody else saw except for two more people, James and John. The transfiguration, the resurrection of Lazarus. They were present for these things when maybe the others weren't. He had been there when Jesus was arrested. And then he denied them. He had seen the risen Savior after the the cross. He had seen Christ resurrected. He had been restored by the forgiveness and felt the forgiveness of God. He was there on Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell upon the 120 in the upper room. It was Peter, now full of the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit, who spoke to the crowd and answered the question, what does all this mean? After he explained, 3,000 people came to the Lord. 3,000 people came to the Lord. And later on, we read a couple chapters later that two more thousand were added. The church was growing mightily. Peter was the one delivering the gospel message. It was Peter and John who went to the gate beautiful, where the lame man was sitting there who had been lame, asking for something. And Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he actually lifts the guys up. The guy, his legs heal, and he walks. Imagine that. Peter did all that. Peter and the others were arrested. They were released. They were arrested again. They were beaten, and then they were released again, only to praise the Lord for being counted worthy to suffer in for God's name's sake. Peter had been called to Samaria, and when he arrived in Samaria, he was able to pray for the Samaritans, and the Holy Spirit fell upon the Samaritans. It was the best of times for Peter. He must have been on cloud nine. It must have been a blur. It must have been all so exciting for him, but it was a blur. It seems 
that when you're in the midst of God's will, things become a blur. When God is moving in your life mightily, things become happening so fast that they become a whirlwind, and you're caught up in everything that's going on, and it's almost like you're a spectator. It's almost like that God is showing you all these things that are happening. He's using you to do all these things, but it seems like you're not even there. Well, you're not because God's doing them. He's just chosen you to be the vessel which he does it through. I've said before that our Christian walk is an oxymoron. It's an active rest. As we're resting in the Lord, he's doing this mighty work, but we're doing it. And he's working mightily through it. So it's an active rest. That's what Peter is, the best of times. Peter was on cloud nine. He was up, just couldn't believe himself. When chapter nine ended, we saw Peter at the house of Simon the Tanner in Joppa, and he was on a rooftop praying. Best of times, Peter. On the other hand, in chapter 10, we meet Cornelius. Cornelius must have thought it was the worst of times. Cornelius must have thought this was the worst time of his possible life. He couldn't believe what was going on. Remember, we read a description of Cornelius in Acts 10, verses 1 and 2. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household and who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. What we see here is a good man. A very, very good man, a religious man, a man who taught his household to fear God, a man who was not satisfied with that, a man who was not fulfilled, for he knew something was missing in his life, and thus it made it the worst of times. He was striving and striving and striving to try to fulfill something that was missing in his life. And if you haven't done that in your life, let me tell you something. It's the worst feeling in your possible life. It is the worst of times. If you tried to seek something and look for it and don't know what it is that you're looking for, but you know every time you try something, that's not what you want. And you constantly fill your life with all kinds of crazy things, activities, addictions, all kinds of relationships that don't go anywhere. And you're filling them and filling them and filling them because you're, kind of, you're trying to reach that which God has called you to. What has God called you to? He's called you to a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And there was nothing that will satisfy your life like a relationship through Jesus Christ. If you're still struggling today and still trying to tr- fill that void, Greg Laurie said it's a God-shaped hole. There was even a song about that. There's a God-shaped hole in all of us. The only thing that fills that God-shaped hole is God. The only thing that would fill that, the only thing that satisfied, that's what Cornelius was going through. It was the worst of times. He was teaching his family all about God. He was teaching his family all about the fear of God. He was a righteous man to the world standard. You look at Cornelius and, Cornelius and go, oh, he's a good guy. Remember we had that, that little uh, test? If it quacks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, it must be a duck. We probably can say Cornelius was a Christian. But he wasn't. He was a religious man. And he was banking on his religion to save him. And we had that discussion, religion doesn't save. Religion puts more work on you. Religion puts more rules, more burdens, more hassles on you. Relationship with Jesus Christ saves. He thought Judaism was the way to to this relationship. He thought that going through there... He was a seeker of the one true living God. He was seeking with all his heart, and God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If you seek God with all your heart, as you seek him, God will reward you with that which you are seeking. As I said, 
Cornelius thought he'd get the salvation through religion. He was as close to being a Jew without being a proselyte. Why? Because he was a Gentile. Cornelius was a Gentile. And to the Jews, the Gentiles were dogs. And that's how they treated him. They were dogs. They wouldn't speak to them. They wouldn't eat to them. They wouldn't have anything to do with them. In fact, just getting close to a Gentile would cause you to have to go through this huge, long, ceremonial cleansing process to be clean from what was now, you thought, unclean. But Cornelius was wrong about his religion. His religion wasn't the way to salvation. He had wrong thinking that he could find salvation through religious traditions, salvation through religious rituals, salvation by repeating prayers over and over and over and over again, the same prayers. That's not the way to salvation. The only way to salvation is by faith through Jesus Christ, by faith in the gospel message. Jesus came to the earth as a man. He was crucified. He was dead. He was buried, and he rose again. That is the gospel message. And now he sits on the right hand of God the Father. And that is the only thing that will save you. You can do all the good works you want to do. You can do all the wonderful things you want to do, which are very, very nice things to do. You can be called a good person. But if you haven't made the choice to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, you will not be saved. Cornelius was wrong about religion. Religion tells you you can never do enough. Every time you think you're doing the right thing in religion, there's a law that says you got to do more. Religion doesn't satisfy. Religion doesn't fulfill. Cornelius had basically given up hope. He was in despair when he was praying that day. He was in despair. But Cornelius was a blessed man. Why? Because the Lord heard his cry. The Lord heard his cry for salvation. And now the Lord was getting ready to show Cornelius which way he should go. Enter the two visions. The two visions now start to come into play. The first vision is given to Cornelius. An angel comes while he's praying. He's in his home praying. The angel says, send for a man, Peter. He's in Joppa. Send for him, and he will tell you what to do. When we read further on in chapter 11, the angel actually told uh, Cornelius that Peter was going to show the household and give them words by which they can get salvation. Peter was going to give them the gospel message. This is just what Cornelius wanted, just what Cornelius needed. I think a very, very important note to make here is that Cornelius obeyed the command of the Lord. For immediately he sent people to Joppa. He didn't hesitate. He immediately sent people to Joppa. If the Lord is giving you a command today, you need to immediately obey the command the Lord is giving you. If he's giving you the offer of salvation today, then you need to immediately obey the offer of salvation and accept Jesus Christ. That's his offer today. That's the command he's given you. What must we do to be saved? What must we do to know the kingdom of God? The, the, they all yelled at Jesus. Jesus looked at them and said one thing simple, believe upon him whom he sent. Believe in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Cornelius is used to giving commands himself because he's centurion. He probably had 100 guys under him. He's used to throwing commands out, but he commanded these guys to go. He obeyed the command of the Lord. That leads us to vision number two. The Apostle Peter, he's on a rooftop praying too. He's staying at the house of Simon the Tanner, and the Lord was beginning this mighty work in Peter's heart, a work that was going to change the world, a work that was going to change everything as we might know it as far as religion is concerned. The Lord was already demolishing strongholds in Peter's life. He was already ready, knocking down walls. 
The fact that Peter stayed in the house of a tanner was monumental anyhow, because what does a tanner do? A tanner kills and skins animals. Jewish people were not allowed to be around blood. So just being in the house alone shows that the Lord is breaking down strongholds. The Lord is breaking down walls. And that's what the Lord does in your life. He breaks down strongholds. He breaks down walls, walls of discrimination, walls of prejudice, walls of addiction, walls of of problems in relationships. The Lord breaks down walls, and that's what he's doing in Peter's heart. Peter's on the rooftop. He's hungry, and he falls into a trance. In Peter's vision, this great big sheet comes down from heaven with all sorts of animals on it. And a voice says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. You know, Peter is sure that the Lord's talking about dietary laws because he sees all these animals. He says, I've never eaten anything unclean, Lord. Not so. I can't do that. He probably thought it was some sort of a test. Not going to get me this time, Lord. I'm going to pass this test. Not so, Lord. Uh, wrong answer. You can say, not so, friend. You can not say, not so, buddy, but you can't say, not so, Lord. Because if you're Lord, you don't say, not so. It becomes clear to Peter that the Lord is now moving him into a deeper place. The Lord is calling him, come deeper into this relationship. Come deeper in this relationship. Is the Lord calling you to come deeper into the relationship today? That's part of our vision. To get the, get, come deeper into the Lord. Come deeper in the Lord. Don't be satisfied where you are in the Lord. Come deeper. Come deeper. Experience all that he has through his Holy Spirit. Come deeper. Come deeper into the Lord and experience him. Allow him to show you wonders and marvels, which he wants to do. Come deeper into the relationship of the Lord. Never get enough of the Lord. Send for Peter. He'll tell you what to do. That's what the angel said. Not so, Lord. Kill and eat. He says it three times. You know, the Lord wants to make a point. He'll say it as many times until you get it. He'll continue to bring it up until it gets to your head and gets to your heart. He will continue to make that point. He continues to make that point. You ever been thump, thump? Kind of hurts sometimes. That's what the Lord does to me when he's trying to make a point. Think, okay, I get it. No, he think. Think about it. This is what I want you to do. The Lord's preparing Peter's heart for a new work. The Lord is preparing Peter's heart. The Lord is breaking down these walls of prejudice, these walls of hatred, these walls of discrimination. These things have existed for centuries, and the Lord is tearing them apart. The voice explains to Peter what God has cleansed. You must not call common. In those days, to call something common was to call it dirty, was to call it unclean. He's saying, I've cleansed these animals. I've cleansed these people. Do not call what I have cleansed common or unclean. He says it three times. Peter ponders over the situation. He ponders over the vision. He doesn't act right away like Cornelius did. He's pondering over the vision. He's meditating on it. Remember we talked about meditating? He's sitting there thinking about this vision, praying to the Lord that the Lord would make it clear to him. The Spirit speaks to him. The Spirit confirms the vision, because there's a knock on the door. Peter's up on the roof. Behold, there's some guys for you. Go with them. Don't fear. The Spirit calms Peter's nerves immediately. You know, we've said this before. When you're following the Holy Spirit, there is no fear in your life. When you're in in, in God's will, there is no fear. I mean, if you have a fear of man, you should say, what can man do to me? Man has no power over me. Man can't even kill me unless God allows him to. Man 
man has no power, but when you're following the Lord, if you're following hard after the Lord, like we were singing, if you're following hard after the Lord, there is no fear because the Holy Spirit will give you that calmness. Perfect love cast out all fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. What I see here is the providential hand of God. The providential hand of God is working in the lives of these two men. God is preparing two hearts, one to deliver the message and another one to receive the message. The providential hand of God. We see it all the time. The Lord is preparing the heart of the apostle Peter to take the message of salvation to a foreign nation, the Gentiles. The Lord is tearing down strongholds in Peter's life, demolishing walls, guiding him into a deeper meaning of salvation. He's showing Peter the meaning of the word when Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Because before then, Peter thought salvation was only for the Jews. That salvation had come only for the Jews. And and the Lord was telling Peter, no, 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 Peter. You've mistaken here. For God so loved the world, the world, not just the Jews. It's interesting that the phrase used in verse 10 for doubting nothing literally means making no distinction in the Greek. He's telling Peter, don't make any distinctions between Anybody, I am no respecter of persons. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, I don't care what your social status is, I am no respecter of persons, and you shouldn't be either. That's the one thing we pray that the Lord would take away from us is that prejudicial feelings that we have towards people of lesser degree whom we deem lesser. The Lord says, I'm no respecter. For God so gave his son the world, the world. Just the fact that Peter invited these men into the home also shows that walls were being brought down because, like I said, no respectable Jewish man would have anything to do with these common Gentile dogs. But Peter invites them to stay with them. Go on in. I'm going to lodge with you guys. We're going to sit here today. Peter now knows that the Lord is not a respecter of person. He starts to see it, and we shouldn't be either. Don't allow those old prejudices to seep into your lives. Don't allow those things to keep you from sharing the gospel. Don't you be the one that determines who gets saved and who doesn't. That's the Lord's job. It's not our job to determine, well, they're not going to accept it. I'm not going to talk to them. Who are we? Who are we to put ourselves in the place of God that we might look down upon somebody and say, I'm not going to give them the gospel message? Just like Cornelius, Peter is obedient to the Lord. I love the obedience in this verses. I love the way these men are obedient. And he departs immediately and toward, goes towards Caesarea. We found in Acts 10, 23. See, the Lord has given these two men visions of something he wanted to accomplish. And each just has a different vision. And as different as the visions were, the Lord is now going to connect the visions and make them one vision. Two visions with one purpose. Salvation. I love this about the Lord, the way he works. He's working here in that same way. He's given a vision. And he starts to show various people the vision. And it may be a little different for you. It may be a little different for me. But when we come together, we start sharing the vision. And guess what? The visions become one. One in him. And then as we follow him, he starts to open up step by step. Every walk we take, he opens up avenues where the vision now will come to to fruition. He doesn't show us the entire thing. He doesn't show us what we're doing or where we should go immediately. He shows us step by step each way we take. He demonstrates himself through his Holy Spirit to each of us. And as we are obedient to the Holy Spirit, the picture becomes more and more clear. And we know what God wants to do. You are You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? 
His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth, even when it cost him his life. What courage in the midst of opposition. Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope. Show.